love song to Jesus this morning. Just to ask you to pour out your heart and your affection on him. All things have passed away.
we're so thankful this morning. And we have the opportunity to worship you and you allow us to come into your presence. I pray this morning for people all across this church, everybody that's watching on Facebook Live.
Father, I'm so thankful that, God, that you have promised to make a way where there seems to be no way. God, I pray that as we go through our lives and we, God, no doubt, come up against some, in our eyes, impossible situations. God, when we're faced with that situation, may we know God, whether it be a situation like the children of Israel faced at the Red Sea. God, may it be whatever it may be in our lives. God, may we know, Father, that you're a way maker. God, that you are the God, as we have worshipped you in song, and I pray that it's been pleasing to your ears. God, if we worship you in our giving, Father, we give out of a heart of love. God, I pray that you will help us to continue to reach out to those people all around us. God, not just around this physical building, but God, around us as individuals, the people that we come in contact with every day. God, will you help us be the light that you've called us us to be? God, that when people look at us, they can see hope. They can see promise. God, not because they're seeing us, but because they're seeing you. God, let people know that you love them and God that we're a church that cares about them Father I pray as we go into your word today God as we examine the idea that you are the miracle worker God I pray that you open up our hearts and open up our minds to hear what you have to say may we leave this place not only challenged but changed with a new outlook in the name of Jesus we pray everyone said amen amen look at somebody and let them know you can be seated let them know that you are glad that they are at Gateway Church this morning if you are a guest we want to thank you for being here Uh, we uh, are so honored and privileged that you have uh, taken time uh, this morning to uh, worship with us, and uh, if you're not a, if you're not a guest, uh, I hope that if you have not downloaded the Church Center app, uh, that you will do that. Uh, and if you have, just go ahead and pull it up right now. I'm giving you permission to to pull out your phone during church, uh, go to the Church Center app, and check in. And uh, that is just simply so that we know that that you were here and. Uh, you know, we're not giving out, you know, how many people used to get uh, perfect attendance awards at, uh, at, when you went to church growing up? You know, they'd give you a little star and uh, uh, we're not doing that. Uh, what we really just want to know that you're here and, and when you miss, we want to know that you're not here. And uh, so it's just uh, a way to, for us to know and that you're important to us as a person, not just a number. Uh, and if you need help uh, finding the Church Center app, 
Uh, I've learned very quickly that as technology keeps advancing, and uh, I used to be the smart guy, and now uh, sometimes I get a little behind and a little confused, but I've found very quickly that if I ever have a, a tech, technical question about technology, uh, if I just go down to the, like the preschool class uh, downstairs, they can uh, usually show me exactly what to do. And uh, so if you have issues with that, find somebody and we'll help you download it. Uh, only a few weeks till Easter. It is uh, hard to imagine. Uh, and, and in ways the last year have, seen, have seemed uh, so long, in other ways it seems like it just was yesterday. Uh, it seems like it was just yesterday on one hand that uh, we had to, to close down things and we didn't get a meet for Easter. Uh, this will actually be our third Easter in this building uh, but it will only be the, the second Easter that we've been able to celebrate here. And uh, so we're looking forward to that, and we'll have the two services, 9.30, 11.15, and I pray, and I told you last week, uh, go ahead and start inviting people now. Uh, go ahead, and, and, uh, and, and it's a proven statistical fact that people that, uh, that uh, maybe you never dreamed would come join you in, in a place of worship, uh, they're more likely to do that on Easter Sunday than ever. So uh, just do the impossible and, and start building relationships and, and uh, ask those people that you've been working on and, and building your relationships with uh, to join you and be sure and tell them what services you're going you're to be at and, and uh, find them and, and uh, let them know that, uh, that they can sit with you. And, uh, but we're looking forward to that. We started a series last week and we began to look at the different traits of Jesus. Uh, when you think about it, everybody has an idea of who they believe Jesus is. Everyone has their, their, their own thoughts, and these ideas are usually based on either religion, on tradition, on maybe uh, Hollywood, on paintings, on art, uh, all of these things, and we, we base our opinion of who Jesus is on these things. And, and often, you find that our opinion of who Jesus really is is, is sometimes flawed. Because we've, we've done everything except go to the Scripture and find out who He says that He is. And so what happens is we have a flawed idea of who Jesus is. And when that happens, our relationship with him a lot of times doesn't work. Last week, we looked at Jesus as the person. And we said, yes, he is God. He did come to, to die on the cross for our sin. But he's also, he was human. He was fully man. And he came and he, he walked this earth for 33 years. And the first 30 of those years, he spent just going through what we would go through. He experienced what we would experience. And the reason that he did that was because he wanted to be able to, to qualify as being our best friend. Because you know how best friends are. Uh, they know what you're going through. They know when you're hurting. They go through it and walk through it with you. And you often find yourself drawn to people who maybe have a similar life story as you do. So when we say Jesus is my best friend, we have to know and understand that everything that we go through, there's nothing that you face that he hasn't been through. And today I want to look at another aspect 
Jesus is the miracle worker. Notice I didn't say a miracle worker. Jesus is the miracle worker. Our passage of scripture for this series is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. And it says, you'll remember, friends, that when I first came to you to let you in on God's master stroke, I did not try to impress you with polished speeches and the latest philosophy. I deliberately kept it plain and simple. First, Jesus and who he is. Then, Jesus and what he did. Jesus crucified. And the the idea of this sermon is we want to know who he is. We want to put it in plain and simple terms. You see, we have to understand that the Bible doesn't change. Now, as society goes, we find a lot of people who who they want to change the Bible to fit their beliefs. They they want to, to change it to fit their life. But the reality is, is that there is change that needs to take place. But the change that needs to take place is in our lives. We have to adjust our lives to fit what's in this word. So today, when we, when we look at this trait, you see, on the outside, we will say, yes, God is great. Yes, God is powerful. I mean, we can say that. But the reality is, is that there are those sitting here today, there are those watching today who you've asked God for a miracle, you've believed God for a miracle, and it didn't happen. And so in that moment, you become discouraged. In that moment, you become depressed. And you think, and you may have even thought this, Well, I know he did miracles back then, but he must not do them anymore. I knew he did did miracles back then, but that just made for a good story. It just doesn't work today. Now, others may say, yes, I still believe God does miracles. I still believe in miracles, but but it's not for me. I mean, I believe he can do them for, for somebody else, but I've asked too many times and, and, and it's not worked out for me. I must be doing something wrong. And so when I say Jesus and we look at him as the miracle worker, I believe that there is some tension. And the reason that there's tension is because there's some flawed ideas about Jesus and how he does miracles. So today I want to to do something maybe just a little bit different than what I normally do. I want to look at the first miracle of Jesus, the first one that he performed. But I want to look at it verse by verse. We're going to be looking at John chapter 2. And we're going to start in verse 1. And we're just going to go through the first 10 verses of John chapter 2. It says, On the third day a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there. And Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. So now when we look at stories found in the Bible, I first want you to know and understand that there's no detail in a story that's there by accident. The details are important. And so the fact that this 
wedding, that this was a wedding and this miracle took place at a wedding, uh, this wedding was important. The expectations at a wedding are tremendous. Uh, I, I got to, to do one and perform a, a ceremony yesterday. And every time that, that I go to, to do a, a ceremony, there's two things I know. One thing is that this is the bride's dream day. The day that they've been waiting for. The second thing that I know is that this is the bride's mother's dream day. The day that, and if, if you're performing a wedding, if you can keep two people happy, the bride and her mother, you have succeeded. I've said many times that, that I would rather do a funeral than a wedding. I think I heard somebody whisper, aren't they the same thing? You shouldn't have said that. But at a funeral, there's opportunity to minister to people. At a wedding, the only opportunity you have is to mess up. I'll never forget the, one of the first weddings that I did when we were at the other building. And, and it was for a couple that, was, that is actually still in this church. And uh, I'm not going to tell you who it was, but maybe after service, if you slip me a five, maybe I will. So I'm standing there and, and, and I, you know, the bride comes to the back and, you know, like everybody stand. Everybody stands up and the bride comes down the aisle and, you know, I do the who gives this uh, bride, this woman to be married to this man. And, and uh, so we start going through all of this and um, I never told them to sit down. Now me thinking, I'm thinking, you know, you just should have realized it's time to sit down. But so for the entire wedding, they remain standing. I didn't even realize it. I was nervous, you know, because I was trying not to mess up because of the bride and the bride's mother. And, and I, was just, I was just wanting to make sure. And, and so before I could even get down the aisle when it was over, I had those smart Alex saying, you know, we stood up the whole time. And so here I am and I'm thinking, man, I'm going to hear this for the rest of my life. And, 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 and I do from certain people. Every time I get ready to do one, make sure you tell them to sit down. <laughs> But I was so excited, and I hate to say this, but I was so excited because after the reception, I was sort of let off the hook because something else happened that was, uh, was pretty funny, actually. Um, they decided that they were going to release butterflies. So they had these butterflies shipped in from wherever they ship them in from. And, you know, you can't just ship live butterflies, I guess. I don't know. So they, they freeze them is what I understand, which I didn't know that was possible, but... I don't know, I Googled it and they said you can. So they get these butterflies and they pull them out. And, you, know, they're gonna, you know, they're not releasing balloons because they're killing things or rice and all this. And so there's humane and, you know, they've got frozen butterflies. Um, so uh, they're going to release these. And so they pull them out and they throw them in the air. The problem was that they hadn't been out long enough. So some of them just had like one wing working. And so it was like, and so there were butterflies just laying all over the ground because they threw them up in the air and it was just like a nosedive. I can tell you that the bride and the mother's bride, they weren't too happy about those butterflies. But I was off the hook. That was the least of their concern. But you see, the expectations at a wedding are high. And, and the first miracle was in this setting of high expectations. And can I tell you that most places that, that we need and ask for a miracle 
are in places that we have high expectations. You say, you know, God, I, I didn't realize that was going to happen. I had higher expectations. God, I thought my kids would, would, would turn out this way and not that way. God, I never thought my marriage would end up here and not there. God, I thought this job, it was going to be better than it, than it is. I thought when I took that promotion, I had reached the pinnacle. I had such high expectations. And now it's every Sunday night I go to bed thinking, is it Monday already? We have these expectations of life that are set so high. And so what happens is, is, is when those things don't happen in our life, we begin and we find ourselves miserable. The issue in this story that we read in John chapter 2 is, is that the wine was gone. Now, that may not seem like a big deal, but in Jewish culture, it was. You see, they didn't put as much emphasis on the ceremony as they did the reception. I mean, you can find out that some days that, that they had seven days of feast after a wedding. So here they are, they're at the wedding ceremony, and the wine was gone. And that was bad news. The Jews had a saying, and the saying was this, where there's no wine, there's no joy. So when we read this, we need to understand that it was more than just a beverage that was gone, that was missing. It's a symbol of joy, and it was gone. So it's a symbol of that there's lost joy in this situation. And so this morning, this message is for everyone who's living a life with such high expectations that your joy is gone. You're sitting here this morning and think, man, life stinks. You're sitting here this morning thinking, my life is terrible. My kids are out of control. My husband is out of control. My job is out of control. My finances are out of control. I have no joy. And you're listening today, and you need Jesus to come into your situation. The way that we find ourselves in this situation where we have no joy, we end up in the wrong position. There's things, three things that I believe that we do that put us there. The first thing that we do is, is that we begin to focus on feelings instead of faith. Here we, we have this couple getting married. It's supposed to be a, a great day. But in that moment, someone is, is upset over something that's really superficial. And when we look at our lives, how many times do you find yourself in difficult situations... I mean, the last year, I, I've shared with you, for many of us, the last year has been difficult. It's just been so abnormal. But we find ourselves in the situation. And when we do that, we begin to focus on the problem more than we focus on the solution. You know how it is. When you're in the middle of a situation, all you can do in your natural, is focus on the problem. And we forget as followers of Christ, we have to become more focused on faith. But instead, we focus on the natural problem 
instead of the supernatural solution. We forget the real reality of how faithful God is. And it's so easy to do when the wine is gone, when the joy is gone, because we can't see it. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7 tells us that we walk by faith and not by sight. And that's a great, great verse. We've got it on coffee cups. We have it on bumper stickers. We have it hanging on our wall. We walk by faith and not by sight. But the reality is that when we're in the middle of that situation, that verse is probably not news or new to anyone sitting here today. But the reality is, is that when we're in that situation, sometimes we have to be reminded. We have to be reminded that we walk by faith and not by sight, even when we can't see it. The second thing we do when we face a difficult situation is, is we tend to take matters into our own hands. When God doesn't act or answer the way that we want him to, when he doesn't answer in the time that we want him to, a lot of times we say, that's okay, I'll just take matters into my own hands. That's okay, I'll just do it myself. And the problem is, is that it never works. Taking matters into your own hands is the absolute worst thing you can do. You say, well, God, you haven't sent me that boyfriend or girlfriend that I need, so I'm just gonna make it happen. God, you haven't given me that job and I'm so miserable that I'm just, I'm walking out. I'm gonna make it happen. Instead of allowing God to intervene and giving it to him, we take it into our own hands. In this story, the Bible says that, that Jesus' mother said to him, Jesus' mother. So here we have, uh, there is a problem, but this is not her wedding. She is just a guest. But in that moment, she sees a problem and she says, you know what, I've got to fix this. I have to take care of it. And so we do that in our lives. And what happens is, is we take the problem from God and we say, I'll give it and I'll do it myself. But here's the, the truth of that. It can't even be our problem and God's problem at the same time. We can't both be trying to work on it. But oftentimes we step into that and we do that. You say, well, what, what do I do about it? How should I handle a problem? Well, Isaiah chapter 30, verse 15 says, this is what the sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel says, in repentance and rest is your salvation. And let me stop right there before I go on. Repentance and rest. What is repentance? Repentance is changing your direction. You can't have God's best until you decide, I can't go that way. I can't do it myself. I've got to change course. I've got to change something. And then he says, repentance and rest. What is rest? Just what it says it is. Resting means just stop. Stop trying to do it yourself. Stop and then lean on God lean on him. You say, no, no, God, I'm, I, I'm not going 
to go that way. He goes on. He says, in repentance and rest in your salvation, in quietness and trust is your strength. But you would have none of it. The next verse says, you said, no, we will flee on horses, and therefore you will flee. You said we will ride off on swift horses. Therefore, your pursuers will be swift. He said, in, in the Bible, horses are, are a symbol of natural strength. People here, they've gotten so far away from God. And he says, now you've depended on your natural strength you're alone, you're isolated, and God seems so far off. Why? Because you've quit resting. You've quit trusting in him. You've never truly gave it to him. Have you ever been doing something, and you're trying to do it and on your own, and you're trying to figure it out? And, and um, this past week, I had a flat tire. And, um, you know, they put those spare tires in the trunk and they put that thing around it. And, you know, you're supposed to just be able to screw it off, right? I mean, you know, it shouldn't be that difficult. And I'm sitting in the middle of Westmoreland in the parking lot of a Suboxone clinic. <laughs> I pull into a parking lot. There's two cops there and they're like, Nobody else is there, and there's two cops, and they're like peeking in the windows, and I'm thinking, man, I'm getting ready to get killed. I've got a flat tire. And so I think, okay, I can do this. So I'll pop up the trunk, and this should be easy. I can do it. So I start trying to take that little thing off. And I try, and I, and I know I'm weak, okay? And I'm sitting there, and I'm trying to get it off, and I'm trying to get it off, and it just will not turn. And I'm thinking, did they epoxy this thing? What? And so finally, I think the officer saw me struggling, and after he figured out that there was no killers in that clinic. He came over and said, can I help you? And I said, sure. I said, I know I'm weak. I can't get this thing off. But by the time I was done, I, I noticed this morning, I got a bruise right here. So any of you that think I'd never work with my hands, proof right here. But once again, I was justified because this police officer said, oh, I can get it. He took his vest off. Guess what? He couldn't get it either. But by the time I kept trying to do that on my own, what I needed was a pair of pliers. That was the right tool for the job. And when we got them, it came off easy. But I was so tired from trying to do it the way that it shouldn't be done. And we do that in our lives. We keep trying to work on it ourselves. Verse 18 says this. Yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. Therefore, he will rise up to show you compassion. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all who wait for him. Grace and compassion. He said, if you will just change your direction, if you will just rest and let me take care of it, you'll find grace and you'll find compassion. But instead, we find ourselves without joy. Our hopes are dashed God's saying, come back to me. Let me take care of it. The third thing we do is we exaggerate the negative. We exaggerate the negative. Uh, you've been around those people. You know, they like maybe broke their fingernail. 
But by the time the story's over, they're going to have to have their finger amputated. They exaggerate the negative. And when we go to God in prayer, usually we find ourselves just continuing and to complain. God this and this and this and it's so bad. But at some point, at some point, if we want to change direction, at some point we have to stop telling God about our problems and start telling our problems about our God. Why? Because God is bigger than our problems. God is bigger than anything that you're facing. In this story, the issue was, was they had no more wine. The joy was gone. And if we look at the world around us, if you turn on the news for about 10 seconds and begin to look at what's going on, you could easily lose your joy. You could easily begin to focus on and exaggerate the negative. It's easy to become depressed But as followers of Christ, we have to be people of faith. We have to know what it looks like to truly trust him. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 20, Paul writes this, For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. It says, when God makes a promise, you better believe that the promises are yes and amen or yes and so be it. And it might appear that you're in a situation that God isn't working. But the truth is, is that he is working. God is so much bigger than anything that we face. We just can't always see it. I mean, 1 Corinthians said this. It says sometimes we we look through a glass darkly. In other words, we're looking through the glass, but we really can't see what's on the other side. You say, well, pastor, okay. What do we do if we find ourselves in this situation? What do we do? Well, let's look at the rest of the story. The first thing, if you find yourself with no joy, if you find yourself in that kind of situation, the first thing that you need to do, it's pretty basic and it should be self-explanatory, but just in case, you need to do what Jesus says to do. Mary was probably getting ready to take matters into her own hands. She was probably had in her mind that she was getting ready to run to the dollar store, the dollar general. She was going to take matters into her own hands. But then all of a sudden, she remembered, wait a minute, there's someone here who's God. I have access to someone that I don't have to take matters into my own hands. I have access to Jesus. And so when she realizes that, she goes to these servants. And in John chapter 2, verse 5, she says this. His mother said to the servants, just do whatever he tells you to do. So here you've got a woman who's, who's just a guest, but she walks up to the servants and says, just do what he says. She said, what he's going to tell you to do is probably not going to make any sense because he he usually just doesn't make any sense. But she said, just do it. Why did she have to say that? Because she understood that that God is famous for doing things that we don't understand or we don't agree with. 
When we read along in this story and see what Jesus had them to do, you'll realize why she had to say, don't question it, just do it. Isaiah chapter 55, verse 8 and 9 says, This plan of mine is not what you would work out. Neither are my thoughts the same as yours. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours and my thoughts than yours. We have to come and realize that he knows more than us. That he sees more than us. And the problem is, is that so many people serving God, we try to serve him from here to here. We have to get it through our minds before it can get into our heart. But it needs to be exactly the opposite. We need to serve him from here to here. Because once it's here, and we understand that God has our best interest at heart, then it's a whole lot easier to let it get through here. The problem is, is that we always want to figure out the formula. We always think, okay, God, this is how you usually do it. I've got it all figured out. I mean, there's a story in the Bible where a guy brought his blind friend to Jesus And the friend had noticed that that Jesus would lay his hands on people and they would get well. So when he brings his friend to Jesus, instead of going to Jesus and say, hey, Jesus, just do what you need to do. He says, Jesus, put your hand on him. He thought he had the formula figured out. So when Jesus hears this, Instead of just laying his hand on him, he spits. He makes a a, a mud pie and then he puts it on the guy's eyes. Can you imagine what he was thinking? I mean, I don't know about you, but if you, I'm pretty sure that if you have mud or dirt in your eyes, it doesn't make you see better. So here's this man, he's thinking, looking at his friend thinking, man, is this a practical joke? What are you doing to me? It's bad enough I can't see. Now I've got mud all over my eyes. But Jesus was wanting to show there's no formula. You say, well, Pastor, I don't understand. Why did Jesus do it that way? You want to know why he did it that way? Anybody want to know why? Good. I have no idea. I have no idea why he spit in the dirt, made mud, and put it on this guy's eye. And here's the reality. As long as you need to know the answer to that question then you're never going to get a miracle. If you always have to understand God, if you always have to to, to try to figure him out. I mean, we study about God and and we have Bible studies and and we read his word and, 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 and we're definitely supposed to do that. But we have to come to grips with that there's just some parts about God that, that we'll never know. There's some questions that we'll never be able to answer. But the one thing that we do know is, is that he knows more than we do. And I've had to come to a place in my life that I'm just, I'm okay with that. God, I don't understand why you're doing it this way, but it's okay. I trust you. God, I don't know why you're asking me to do this, but I'm going to do it. Why? Because he knows so much more than we do. Second thing is, is anytime you want a miracle from God, you 
You need to focus on what God wants to do in you. You see, anytime that we're faced with a problem in a situation, there is a, an opportunity for God to teach us something. If you will allow him, he will teach you something in the middle of your situation. And I'm of the belief that you can't move on from that situation until you have learned what you need to learn. Since I've become a uncertified school teacher with virtual learning, I do like it because if there's something that Reese, always get in trouble. If there's something that maybe she doesn't grasp, I can say, we're gonna keep doing this and we're gonna figure it out. Here's some practice. We're gonna do it. We're gonna figure it out. We'll get in the middle of math and uh, my daughter's uh, definition of math is mental abuse to humans. She hates math. And it just so happens that it's what I love. But God does us the same way. He says, listen, you need to learn what I'm teaching. You need to understand that you're in this situation. And if we'll begin to look at what God is trying to do on the inside of us, instead of focusing on what is everything around us, it's then and only then that we'll get our miracle. God is more concerned about what's going on in the inside of you than all the external things. Why is that? It's because we understand and we know that the external things, they're gonna fade away. There's a difference between happiness and joy. Happiness is, is something that's temporary. That's what's on the outside. God's not concerned about that. He is concerned about what's on the inside of us because it's what's on the inside of us that's going to last because these external things are gonna to continue to crash around you. Problems are gonna to continue to come, but it's what's on the inside, what's who you trust and where you put your hope and confidence in and how you're able to rely on him and, and rest in him, that's what matters. And so when you're in the middle of a situation, stop focusing on what God is doing around you or what it looks or appears like he's doing around you and begin to ask yourself the question, God, what are you trying to teach me? What are you wanting to do on the inside? side of me. Whatever you're going through, it may be sickness or depression or, or financial problems or, or marriage problems or, or your kids' problems or, or whatever it is, just know that in the middle of your trouble, God is going to do a deep work. Just trust him. Verse six, as we continue to read in this story, Mary just looked at the servants and said, just do whatever he says. Here's why she said that, because nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. So here we have this situation. We understand that, that there's containers that the wine used to be in. So if I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, Jesus, if you're gonna do a miracle, it probably would just be easiest to go ahead and use the containers that where the wine used to be. But instead of Jesus just walking over and, and, and doing whatever he, he wanted to do to fill those containers, 
He went out and it said standing nearby, he found some, some containers. They were like ceramic pots. And verse 6 tells us that these were like the pots that they would put in front of the doorway of the temple. And what would have to happen is, is when you come to the temple, when you got ready to, to go into church, you would have to, to, to wash your hands. And you had to wash them in a particular way. And if you didn't do it, they would stand and they would watch. And if you didn't wash your hands the way that they wanted you to wash, then you either had to do it again or you couldn't go in. So what was really happening was, was this was a, a dead religion. That's what it was. They said, if you don't do it this way, you can't come in. You can't worship God. And Jesus said, I tell you what, here's an opportunity. Here's a good way to do this. So he takes a symbol of dead religion and he fills that symbol of dead religion with a symbol of joy. And what he was saying was, I have came to, to put joy into your Christianity. There's joy in following after me. I want you to, to take that in your life and, and take that dead religion and replace it with true joy. If you're here this morning and you're going through something and it's something difficult and you, it seems like that Jesus isn't responding, I want to challenge you that, that it could be because you're praying for the problem instead of asking God, God, what do you want to teach me? 1 Peter 1, 6 and 7 says this, In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all trials. Verse 7, These have come so that you're proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. I mean, this isn't a bumper sticker verse. But it tells us that your faith is more important than anything else. He says, I want to take this painful experience and I want to teach you something. That's how much he cares about you. Next, you need to believe the unbelievable. We have to learn to trust God for big things. In verse 8 of chapter 2. The book of John, as we read in this story, then he told them, now draw some water and take it to the master of the banquet. And they did so. And the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside. When he went and he realized what had happened? He was like, wow, where did this come from? Where did this come from? And in our lives, a lot of times, he probably would have just been satisfied with something that just had a hint of the taste of wine. But when he tasted this, he was like, Man, what is this? 
And so many times we go to God and we try to limit God with the size of our brain. Mark chapter 10 verse 27 says this. Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with him. He said, it may look like this miracle that Jesus did. When they looked at it, they thought, this is impossible. There's no way. There's no way it could end up this way. And they said, with man, it's impossible. But with God, it's possible. The last thing we have to do is we need to expect the best. Expect the best. Believe God for the best things. Verse 10, John chapter 2, it says, and said everyone, he pulled the, the, the bridegroom aside and he said, everyone brings out the choice wine first and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. Sometimes in our lives, we we have this formula of, of how we think that God should do things. And we say, God, if you would just, just do enough to get me by. God, God, do just enough. You know, just whatever you have to do, but it doesn't have to be the best, God, but just, you know, just do something. And so often we sell God short because the Bible tells us that he wants to do things exceedingly, abundantly, more than we could ever hope or we could ask. That's what God wants for you. That's what he wants for me. But we go to God and we put God in a box and we say, God, you, you just need to do it this way. And God said, listen, if you will come to me, if you'll give it to me, I'm not just going to do it just a little bit. He said, I'll give you the best. That's what he did when he gave his son. He could have come up with another way. He's God. But when he looked at the situation and he saw where we are and where we would be, he said, I'm not just going to do anything other than I'm going to give you my best. It's more than we could ever hope for. It's more than anything we could ever comprehend. You think about it if you have children. Just think about it for a moment. Could you imagine no way. No way. But God said, I'm not just going to do it any old way. I'm going to give you the best. And so if you're in a situation today, and you say, Pastor, it seems impossible. Pastor, I've been trying to, to, to figure it out and work it out, and I've been struggling, and I'm, I'm just so physically tired. Figuratively speaking, my hands are bruised. God's saying, 
repent. In other words, change direction and rest. Quit depending on your own strength. Quit trying to figure it out. Sometimes we spend our entire lives and we become so exhausted because our mind never stops. And it's always, I got to figure it out, God. God's saying, rest, give it to me. As a follower of me, I love you that much. I'll take care of it and I'll do it better than you could ever think or hope or dream. I'm gonna ask you to stand right where you are. We're gonna close this service this way. If you need prayer, this altar is absolutely open. There's people here that want to walk with you, who want to pray with you, who want to let you know that that there's people that care about your situation. You say, Pastor, I've been to that altar a million times. It doesn't matter. God doesn't work on your timing. He works on His. And He says, you just keep trusting. You just keep believing. You just put your faith, hope, and confidence in me. And so I'm going to pray. And as I pray, if you need prayer, Come and let us pray with you. If you just need to say, God, I release it to you. Whatever works for you, but make it a a definitive moment in your life. Don't leave here only challenged, but not changed. Whatever it takes, whatever it looks like, give it to God today and let him do something in your life that he wants to do. Father, I come before you right now. God, you see every person that is in this auditorium. God, you see people who are watching online. God, you know their situations. God, there's some situations that I know and there's some situations that I don't know. But God, the one thing that I'm sure of is, is that you do. You see where they are. You know what they're going through. You see their hurts, their struggles, their troubles, their trials, their their discouragement. And Father, I pray right now, God, that by your spirit, that you will help them break free. God, that they can, can change direction and that they can just learn to rest in you. God, you've said that, that we could come to you when we're weary and that we could rest. And Father, I pray, God, that today you break the chains that bind. Father, I pray that you allow us to know and to realize that you love us and that you care about us. And God, may this moment not pass by. May no one stop listening today or walk out those doors the same as they came in, struggling. God, let us know that you care. God, reassure us that you're taking care of the problem. God, help us trust you. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. All of you is more than enough. your love and all I have in